0: Thank you for joining us tonight, along with many people across the world who are joining in this retreat as we prepare our hearts spiritually for the 40th anniversary. Tonight's broadcast comes to us from our five days of prayer that happen every December 8th through the 12th. These have happened since 1993, every single year, every December 8th through the 12th. Interestingly enough, a friend of Medjugorje always speaks during that period of time to pilgrims who were here, and he's speaking about Medjugorje, but yet no two talks are ever the same. There's a lot of context that happens with every encounter every single year depending on what's happening that year. This particular encounter took place in December 2005. That's almost 16 years ago. The title of this talk was Dealing with Your Trials. And in today's world, these are words which all of us are in need of hearing. So here's a friend of Medjugorje, December 2005, Dealing with Your Trials.
1: As usual, I'm not prepared to talk, but we will anyway. I had Ruth left a few messages, and I want to welcome everyone here. We have this whole mission that's sprung forth from so many people that's out there across this land that supports this mission. Even foreign countries, even people in Saudi Arabia, which their mail gets screened, some of it don't get through to them. But I say that in the sense of the numbers don't have to be here praying this novena to participate in what they do. And most people can't come, of course, this time of year, but we have people all across the nation praying with us during these days, doing their holy hours, offering mass, sacrificing, join us. We was a little bit surprised this year because we didn't promote our nine days of fasting on bread and water that strongly. And we had uh, people actually calling us because we actually was scheduled after January. Because Maria was here, then we had the charter, and then we went to Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, to help with the hurricane. And we'd been one thing after another, so it was going to be difficult for us to squeeze it in. But we had people begin to call us in October, asking for this annual fast. And we were actually surprised, and we were motivated by people out there across the land who says, I want to fast and join you all for this. So we quickly put together the dates, and for you who participated with us, Out there, there were several hundred, we know at least five to six hundred, that joined us in this fast. Normally we get a thousand people, but this is something that came from the people themselves, which really surprised us. So, we here are joined in union with people across the land of praying for the reconciling of ourselves and our families and our nation back to God. And these days are serious days. And I take you back to Mariana's message once she received on this great day of prayer. And a month later, I saw Mariana and I asked her, What happened? Why did our lady say in that apparition, this great day of prayer? And she said, She thought for a moment, she said, Oh, yes, because I thought something happened. The Pope did something. I asked people what happened in the world events. Nothing happened. There's no great prayer movements. But Mariana says, Yes, that the people who were there, 50 or so people, prayed with such fervency. And it really struck me that if 50 people pray like that and Our Lady notes that, this great day of prayer, then it's not the numbers, it's what's from the heart. And so it's important for us to understand that Our Lady has told us, actually I got the message. I do not need the Lord's Prayer said a hundred or two hundred times. It is better to pray only one but with a desire to encounter God. And so... We have it from Our Lady that all our prayers, except from the heart, we wasting time. That We really need to be in a position of, of coming to a tranquil heart and in peace and praying. And so that said, never look at how many people are beside you. Elijah had no one beside him, and he stopped rain falling from heaven for three years. Elijah had nobody beside him, and he began raining down from heaven by one prayer. So you can do a lot, a lot more than what you can think. Everything here started from one decision, one call, and we see it rippling out all over the place. So don't think that your strength and what you can do as far as having impact is a big shortfall. God can use it. What I want to speak about today is a message that Our Lady says, a little bit in a peculiar way, on January 25th, 2001. She says, wars of your unbelief and fear of the future. It was strange that Our Lady equated that to wars. Preceding that, she says, once again, I repeat to you, only through prayer and fasting also wars can be stopped. We're thinking of Iraq. But that's not what she's saying. She says, Can't be stopped wars of your unbelief and fear of the future. What is she saying? That we have to believe. Really believe. In the first beginning days of Medjugorje, Our Lady came over and repeated one theme, that there's a crisis of faith. You don't have faith. This crisis of faith is a lack of belief. So, says, Your wars of unbelief. I just was coming back on Southwest Airlines and in their magazine that they put out, they had in there an article about country music. And they said in this article that it's the number one music in the nation, in the United States. It always has been. always is. And they were just going through all of these different things and people who were singing and about the power of country music. And they went into the philosophy of why. Why does country music captivate so many people? And it says, because it tells stories, and it tells stories about real life. And these stories of real life speak to us about, and reach down into us about us. About us being able to relate to it. And I've got one that I want to play for you. That's really something of a message for us in regards to what our lady says about for us to believe.
2: Old man Wrigley lived in that white house Down the street where I grew up Mama used to send me over with things We struck a friendship up Spent a few long summers Out on his old porch swing in the war went in the Navy lost his wife lost his baby broke down and asked him one time how you keep from going crazy he said I see my wife and son in just a little while I asked him what he meant he looked at me and smiled Said i raise my hands bow my head I'm finding more and more truth In words written in red They tell me that there's more to life Than just what I can see Oh, I later I was off at college talking to mom on the phone one night getting all caught up on the gossip the ins and outs of the small town life she said oh by the way son old man Wrigley's died later on that night Lay there thinking back, thought about a couple long lost summers. I didn't know whether to cry back there was ever anybody deserved a ticket to the other side. It'd be that sweet old man who looked me in the eye said I raised my hand. written in red They tell me that there's more to life than just what I can see I can't quote the book the chapter or the verse You can't tell me it all ends in a slow ride in a hearse You know I'm more more convinced the longer that I live. Yeah, this can't be. No, this can't be. No, this can't be. I believe I believe
1: comes in the beginning days of Mejigoria and she says, "Faith is in crisis." Another day she says, "Faith has begun to extinguish itself. scarier will be the world when faith goes away. perhaps this is why they says, "You're fear of the future, but our faith is weak, do we even have future? So we have to believe, or they ask us to believe. To believe is to have faith." So Our Lady says, wars of your unbelief and fear of the future. We have to ask ourselves, do we believe in the apparitions of Our Lady? And many people as devoted to Medjugorje certainly says yes. But when it comes to the messages, not all of them are accepted. They accept what's comfortable. What's uncomfortable, I don't have to pay attention to that. If Our lady says something, she means it. Her words are not wasted that I express like so many people on their cell phones I just landed on the plane I'm getting off the torment I'm coming up the steps you know we do so much stupid conversation it means nothing wasted words every word of our lady is measured just like an ingredient to bake a cake you put two and a third cups in it because that's what it needs not more not less our lady's not saying any more than she needs to say and she's not saying less Some theologians reject Medjugorje since it's a lady, she's a chatterbox. Because we've got 25 years of messages now. And I've actually read this from theologians. A mother of God would never come and do this. Jesus was too, if they want to class it that way. They said in Scriptures, if we put into in the books, it will fill all the world. Just what Jesus did and said. A lady has a lot she wants to do. But we should never look at her words in unbelief that I could pick this and not the other. All of them are to be believed. All her words are to be accepted. And some of them, you want to say, gee, thanks. I say, well, that's really what we want to hear. One thing that's happening right now is, is a great, great suffering among her children. A suffering that many of you here can finish my sentence and identify with exactly what I'm saying. Why am I going to this trial? Why is this so difficult? Why is this happening? Our phones ring every day of the most serious natured difficulties that can be imagined. Real, real suffering. I'm convinced the world and the human heart and the numbers that's in the world that there's more suffering in the world than we've ever had before in the history of the world. It's not that somebody hadn't gone through that trial somewhere in history. But we've never had it on such a large scale. People are hurting. People are suffering. People would say relief to them would be to die. Just die. There's nothing more painful than divorce. Every day we get calls about this. Many times both of them have been to Michigan, and they can't even stay together. Satan wants destruction. And what is the purpose of this suffering? What is the purpose of these trials? Who sends them? Who wants this for us? Our Lady said... August 22nd, 1985. And I'm going to take some more out of this message to give you the crux of what she says. I'll reread it. She says, I wish God wants to send you trials. Gee, thanks. Gee, thanks, God. You know, here I went lower than I was yesterday, and tomorrow I'm going lower. And next month, you're going to be at a pit lower than that. Thank you, God. It's like St. Teresa who was riding across a stream. And she flipped on her saddle upside down. She says, I see what you do to people that you don't love, God. Dear children, today I wish to tell you that God wants to send you trials which you can overcome by prayer. God is testing you through daily chores. I just had somebody say that they're going through their tremendous suffering. Their husbands left them. I won't go into the details, but this is a typical story. And yet, two years ago, they were praying to be a victim's soul. And so they get what a victim soul gets, and they're complaining about it. Nobody wants that. But don't pray to be a victim soul. It's dangerous even to pray to be a saint. But we're in a time of grace, and God wants to send you trials. And you say, well, I'll do this for you. I've told the person, I said, well, that's pride. If you ask to be a victim of soul, you're proud and God's going to allow things to happen to humble you. To show you this ain't what you read in these books. is so romantic. I know there's people I've talked to today at different places, not in this country even, that will be saints of the church. I'm certain they'll be canonized. I don't preempt the church in saying that, but I, we've read enough, you know enough, if you read spiritual material, to know what it takes and what it makes to be saints and what they are and what they are the So the visionaries are going to be saints. And I can tell you, you can't even imagine the suffering or the smiling faces. There's the, the menu they put on to carry their cross joyfully. But the anguish, the darkness that God didn't illuminate them while this is happening, it's... Such suffering, the few people in this room will ever experience that. And yet you can say, well, they don't know what I'm going through, or he doesn't know what I'm going through. We hear it. We're in tune with it. Whether it be your children, your spouses, work. This is a time that our lady says, I wish to tell you, she's real villain, I'm letting you in on a secret. Do you believe her words, or is it unbelief? I wish to tell you that God wants to send you trials. When you go through conversion, you say, oh God, I did this. Yeah, I'll suffer for you. And when you're suffering for Him, why are you doing this, God? I didn't know it was going to be like this. You could just ease up a little bit on this part of it. I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought I was going to be in a book somewhere and be some hero. It's deeper than you can imagine. And your suffering is deeper than anybody else can understand. Why is that? Why does God want us to send us trials? Why is Our Lady saying this to us? And is this to happen to everybody? No, it's happened to His children. It's happening to those who are praying. The godlets are are having fun on Friday nights. It's a pattern that everybody converse, everybody begins to pray, they have a honeymoon period, and then they have darkness, or they have suffering, and they have sorrows. Deep, deep grief, suffering. Why is that? The scripture says, Why are you surprised at this? What are you surprised for? The scripture's quote says, Do not be surprised, my child, that a trial by fire is occurring in your midst. For gold is refined by fire. He wants to make you gold, He wants you purified of your past. Our says something that's amazing. Because we think we can pray. I didn't pray. I did my 54-day novena. Where is it, God? Somebody just told me they did the nine days of fasting and prayer and nothing happened. Well, your situation is so complex and so difficult. How many years has it been there? And how many years did it lead up to your problem? You spent 20 years making a problem and you want God to do it in nine days and fix it? Our lady appeared once and she said, after the war in Bosnia had been going on, a war that was impossible to stop. Why was it impossible? Because you had Muslims, you had Croatians, and you had Orthodox, all enemies living in the same neighborhood together. It wasn't like the Civil War here. You had the North and the South and you had some distinct lines. These people were neighbors and they knew each other. And they began to kill each other. I and mean, they end to do things to each other that I can't even mention here because of our children. Atrocities in the same neighborhood. And when I heard some of the things that took place, I said, there's no way this world can stop. How is anybody going to get that out of the heart? I don't know if I could, some of the things that took place. But our lady appeared after three and a half or so years and said, Thank you for your prayers. This war will end as soon as possible. I read it. We were praying in the crucifix room in the gift shop. We had the crucifix on the top. I told everybody, the war is over. The war in Bosnia is finished. We've got to let God work it out, but it's a done deal. I wrote that, and I got some hate mail. You don't even know what's going on. How can you say that? You're not over here in Croatia. You don't know what we put up with. How can you say this war is going to end? It's not going to end. And you've hurt this cause by telling people they can relax now that the war is over. I wrote back and I said, I don't apologize. You don't believe. I believe. It said it. This war will end. ASAP. As soon as possible. Her exact words. ASAP. As soon as possible. In God's time, not your time. The decision was made. The prayers were done. It was granted. But God had to work through the problems, the complications, the neighborhoods. Everything had to be on a timetable through the free will that God could make it be ordained to the angels. Working through maybe a million different scenarios to bring peace. And it happened. Nine months later, it still hadn't changed. But at that point, the Serbs stepped up the escalation of atrocities. And I said, this is good. And everybody said again, how can you say such a thing? I said, because this is what it's going to take to end the war. Do you call a plumber to fix a leaking faucet? No. Do you call a plumber when your pipe breaks? Yes. And Clinton, who's not necessarily known to be so godly, ordered U.S. fighter jets, when Serbia started doing that, to fly the airways on Bosnia that nobody was going to enter that airspace. And for the first time things turned and the ground troops was able to start taking some gains. Air cover was blown apart. When he did that, everything changed. It took one year and a half and the war ended. For me, I didn't have a problem. I knew when the message was given, it's finished. So a lady says, you can get your prayers answered. It may take 10 years. But you spent 20 years getting to where you got to. So how do you want God to fix it? It's not at the snap of the finger. God rarely violates free will. He's got to work through very difficult scenarios to untangle the mess you made. And yes, much of us by innocence. We didn't know any better. We weren't praying enough. But Our Lady says, March 9, 1985, you can receive a grace immediately, or in a month, or in ten years. I do not need the Lord's Prayer said a hundred or two hundred times, it is better to pray only one, but with the desire to encounter God. You should do everything out of love. I had been working with ABC. I have been working with Martin Sheen, the actor, in California. I had been working with uh, Rob Wallace, the main producer at 2020. And I was trying to get somebody to fund a documentary back in the late 80s. And I was still had my business. And I was doing all the work. Martin wanted to do it. The producer wanted to do it for 2020. Everyone wanted to do it, and they all had something of themselves in it. And I was trying to get financed. And for three months I looked at this, and I got aggravated. I said, that's it. I've been to this guy several times. And I walked out on my pool deck. I said, God, I'm finished. Here it is. I, I've got a business to run. I'm trying to do this for you, and you're not giving me no help. I'm finished. Don't call on me to do this no more. I'm calling. them. This is it. My wife calls me. The phone's ringing, and the guy that's going to finance it says, hey, I'm going to do it. You can get a grace immediately, or in a month, or in ten years. I would have gone ten more years if I thought I was going to do it, because that's what I was telling God, I'm trying to do this for you. God don't need me to do anything for Him. He needs me to give up and let Him do it. And I didn't do this. I had nothing to do with it. I knew Maria was coming here. I felt so deep in my heart that there was something that was supposed to take place in the land next to our house. I tried to buy it for five years, doing everything I could to buy this property. Money, persuasions, nothing worked. I'm coming back on the airplane and said, I've discerned this whole thing wrong. Our lady had already given me a message two years before that gave big insights that something was going to happen here. But I was trying to make that happen. So I'm on the plane with Maria, I turn on the back and says, Good grief. I says, you know, God, I've just misdiscerned this whole thing. I thought you were going to do something, the message you gave to Maria two years ago. I've just completely misdiscerned this. I get back, I'm warning how all the events are gonna unfold, and on my door, 6:30 next morning, the night before Maria comes, is as, as a contract at 6.30 in the morning before they go to work say here's the money for this field out right here. I mean the, the contract for it if you want to get it. What did I do on the plane? I gave up. I quit. I've been trying for five years. If it happened two weeks before that you might not be at the plane because I would have thought I owned it. I don't care. It doesn't matter if it's my money that bought it. The thing is when I gave up God acted. Because He wants to see my surrender that I can see His glory. I don't own that place. I may be steward of it, but it's not mine. I don't care what's written on a contract or what's in a title. It belongs to you, the people who come here. And I can say this over and over and over. When I tried to make something happen, it didn't. And when I got to the point that I gave it up, it happened. So you can receive a grace immediately or in a month Or ten years. And a lot of that, I believe God wants to give you a miracle. He wants to give you the answer. But you're the obstacle. Our ego's the obstacle. And why should it not be that way? And how will we not be hurt by that? Because we think we've done something to make that come about. Yet, our lady says, I need you, I want you, you're important. But God don't need me. He can do whatever He wants to do. But he needs me to conform in a surrendered way. And what does he want? To accept all annoyances, all difficulties, everything with love. The solution is very simple for your difficulties and trials. But it's first important to realize God says one thing on December 25th, 2002. And you've got to hear this message in the light of first believing it. If you believe in apparitions, you have to accept this. Our Lady says, accept my messages so that it will go well for you. Do not reject the name of God that you will not be rejected. We're in rejection time. We're in accepting time. You've got to decide what you're going to do. But on this December 25th, 2002, Our Lady says, no extra words and no less words need to be said. And they're not exaggerated. But if she says this, she means it. Dear children, this is a time of great graces. But also a time of great trial. Trials, plural. And then what follows is strange. For all those, you can see your neighbors still doing what they're doing. You can see, where well, they're getting away with all this. Look at just enjoying life. They're not praying. They're having fun. How come we're getting the trials? Because Our Lady says, For all those who desire to follow the way of peace. Is that not strange? We're going to convert. We're going to get close to God. Everything's going to be nice. We're going to be in Our Lady's mantle. We're going to be protected. And then Our Lady says, if you're going to want that peace, you're going to want there's going to be great trials for you. Seems strange. It seems to contradict our mentalities, and it's because we don't have the proper mentality. Who was the holiest people? Who prayed the most? And who suffered the most? Do you think the apostles had a bed of roses to lay in? They had God, and they had Satan. Peter. Our first pope, get behind me. You, Satan, Christ told him. You're not going to be in this entry level of the invitation in the time of grace without trials and without great difficulties. So we see marriages breaking apart. We see families falling apart. We see things being crushed. We see in people that don't want to go on anymore. They don't want to live anymore. But they know they have to. They don't feel like they can endure it. We just got a call a couple of days ago from the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and said things are getting tense there because it's getting cold and it's raining and people are still in tents. I knew when we were down there working that when you see everybody helping you see all this commotion, all this, you know, That's not the bad thing, seeing your house destroyed. It's going to be, everything's gone, and it's just desolate. And you're just sitting there. And you're all alone. And you're going to be suffering. Great trials. But the purpose is purification. If you just read the last newsletter, it's about that. Purification cleanses. If we're stepping up to the bat to listen to Our Lady, And we're in a world gone wrong. What's got to happen to us before we can be used by her? She says, I want to use you in a great plan for the salvation of mankind. And it was the saints who suffered the most. It was the apostles and the disciples of the early church who suffered the most. You will suffer. You will hurt. And you will regret, you pray, to be a saint. But... You can say, God, I, I don't have strength no more. But Jesus, I gave you my decision, and that's all I'm giving you is my decision, because I have nothing left in me. This mission didn't come like this because we just got it made. We're doing what I said. We've been happy. I said in the bedroom, Be joyful carriers of your cross. We've been through the fire, and we're going to continue to go through the fire. And just when we get out of one, we think we're out, and we got some breathing room, another's ignited. The spiritual life is just that. But our lady says, the Almighty will reward you when you get to heaven. And she just gave a beautiful message just a few days ago in the bedroom when Maria visited here. She said, Dear children, also today I call you to pray, 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 until prayer becomes life for you. A 25th message is of historical significance in that it will be here to the end of time is to enlighten us as far as what the Scriptures say, is to give man in this age the guidance he needs to make it through the tribulation. Jesus says, pray that you can escape the tribulation. How do you escape it? And that's what we're going to go into. What our Lady says, how to escape it. That means you won't be experience tribulation, but you've got to escape the downfalls of tribulation. Because many people turn away from God when they start suffering. And that's some of His purpose. To decide which way you've got to go. It's decision time. Are you going to turn toward God? Or are you going to say, hey, I don't want that? and you going to go more toward the world and seek alleviation? But this message is beautiful because our life here has become prayer. Let your life become prayer. We had three hours of prayer a day as we were speaking the other day. And in this lifestyle we live, we have come into this message in a fulfillment. Yet millions, even billions are still waiting for that message to be heard in the future. Little children, at this time, in a special way, I pray before God to give you the gift of faith. Me and Maria was together. After she wrote this, I told some of you the other day, she she went out of our bedroom, then she goes to the bathroom, and she writes the 25th message. That's the only place she has private where we cannot disturb her. So the 25th message of the world came from where our bathroom is. But we're sitting in our bathroom together after this, and I'm, I'm talking... To her and to explain it to me. And we get to this part about give the gift of faith. And I thought, this is beautiful. You know, I, I really actually, my first thought: our lady is in a special way. That no being comes close to God or enters where His throne is to the level that the Virgin Mary can enter. No angel, no person, I wrote that in quietism, has entered into the presence of the Trinity to the depth that Our Lady can enter into. And here it is, she says, she's praying for you. I am praying for you in a special way before God. And immediately my thought was, she's prostrated in front of the Trinity. Asking for me, you, for the gift of faith. Because I need to believe. I need to believe that when I'm in the midst of such a great crisis, such a great trial, everything falling apart, my whole world's crumbling, I need to believe and I need to have the gift of faith. Because God wants to test me. He wants me to get through this. He wants me to overcome it. I do need to go through that for him. Because you are the chosen ones in the time of grace, walking with her, who are going to instruct the others after the time of grace. And there's nobody going to be able to sit there and tell you, if you've been through this, well, it's easy for you to say, you're not going what I went through. Or what I'm going through. The university of Our Lady's education to us is trial by fire. Difficulties. Crosses. Because why? She says, I want you to be my apostles. How are you going to be an apostle if you don't learn what it means to be an Apostle. How are you going to relate to somebody who just lost their child or is going through a, a terrible situation in a business or their spouse has left them? Unless you yourself have been conditioned through these messages to be able to help them instruct them. Don't be surprised that a trial by a fire is occurring in your midst. It's a gift from God. Jesus, thanks God.
3: You're listening to Countdown to the 40th Anniversary with a friend of Medjugorje. Broadcasting on your favorite station, Radio Wave, 24 hours.
1: Only in faith will you discover the joy of the gift of life that God has given you. Your heart will be joyful thinking of eternity. Sometimes in the midst of suffering and difficulties, the only relief is to realize one day I'll be on my deathbed and I'll be maybe six, seven, eight breaths away from my life ending and I can sit there and say, thank you God that You gave me the grace to turn all my suffering not into bitterness, not into anger towards You, but in suffering. And an atonement. And will you regret anything you went through? In fact, you might now, but the more you go through and the more you offer to God, the more you will be grateful at that moment of your death. Why? Because the joy of thinking what you're going to receive in eternity. Gifts of God that we can't even begin to understand. And nothing will be regretted. Not one effort, not one sacrifice. Not one fasting day. Not one nine day fasting. Not one suffering imposed against your will on you. All these things you'll be grateful for. And so, Allah says, get your mind off your present suffering. Think of eternity. It has purpose. And you'll be glad for it. Not now. But one day you'll be glad for it. And I've talked to some of these people who I know will be saints. And they don't like some of the stuff they're waddling in right now. You think after years and years of them already suffering, it's gotten easier. It's worse. It's worse. Anguish. Real anguish in their hearts. Right, he says, Be conscious of this gift that God has permitted me to be with you. I desire to give you peace and that you carry it in your heart and give it to others until God's peace begins to rule in the world. Do you know what that's preceded by? It. She says, I, I want to give you peace. I want you to carry it in your heart. I want you to give it to others and then throughout the whole world to be given is preceded by this is a time of great grace, but also a time of great trials for all those who desire to follow the way of peace. So she tells you why and what she wants in this peace. And it's going to be tough for you to obtain peace. It may mean that you may make war in your home. Maria was sitting in our house in August, not this last trip, and she'd been here a couple of weeks before the August 5th birthday. Just not, people realized she didn't know she was here. It was more of a private uh, period for our whole family. But I was sitting on the couch, and we were sitting there, and she says, out of the blue, we weren't saying nothing. We were just sitting, the kids were playing on the floor. And she says, there's really peace in this house. And I, and I, I was startled. You know, here she sees the queen of peace. And why did Maria say that? I said, what? Because I thought I didn't hear what she said. She said, there's really peace in this home. And naturally, I felt joy that she said that. But, you know, I, I was a little puzzled that she would say it at the same time. But I realized we, were, we eliminated. For years, we've been fighting for peace in our home. We had to fight for it. We got rid of all things that caused them peace. The TV, the first. There's never the sound and noise of any objections or news of the day in our home from TV. Because it doesn't exist. It's TV free. That one step alone brought tremendous peace to our home. We don't listen to secular radio stations. We don't listen to any music that's not about God, family, or our country. We screen it. We don't take newspapers. We don't have any magazine subscriptions going to our house other than maybe something about cattle or something. And just eliminating those three or four items, some of them category that may have 20 items in it, has brought peace that I'm so used to, I didn't even detect it that much. But Maria detected it because she's in a five-story apartment. Right down the street, there's just all this noise. It's it's the, the, the crowdness of Europe. She has to go to the elevator to a house and bump it into people and and uh, she really experienced something that I that I really didn't realize at the level we had it. But you can have that. You know, at first you might not be used to peace. I'm lonely, I don't hear nothing. Some people got to turn on the radio just to have some noise in the house. A Russian professor came here once and we was over one of these trailers, we had the whole community in there. And I said and the kids were loud, it was so loud in there. And out of the blue, uh, well, at first I said, uh, you know, sorry for all the noise in here because we was having to shout to talk to each other. She says, noise? TV is noise. And we weren't even talking about TV. Here's somebody from Russia. You know, had this observation. What's the noise in your life? What's the unpeace in your life? And when you start reading to get rid of those things, do you think your spouse is going to want to or your children going to want to? Nope. Do you have this grand idea? Oh, I think it'd be nice. I think I'll go tell my husband we're going to get rid of the T V. Super Bowl Sunday. Saturday I had this grand idea, let's get rid of that. And you can go on to him, well, you know, we've got this peace and our lady says this, and I know you've been in girl with me and I, I know his is something to watch, but we're gonna have peace. He's gonna say, Nope. And then your suffering starts, his aggravation starts, and a war starts. And it may take years to do an exorcism to get that thing out of your house, because that's what it is—a thing. And we testify we are better for it. And those of you who enjoy our kids and our community here—that's one of the number one choices we made, besides entering into prayer life—that's made a dramatic change in the way we live. And you might be saying in your heart, "Well, what about religious broadcasting?" Go get the book I see far. All that's answered. I'm not going to go that avenue, in that street. I'm not trying to avoid it. Every single thing is answered in that book. So don't leave here without getting that. If you can't afford it, take it. We'll give it to you. But my point is, is, peace is earned. Peace is fought for. The object of every war is a more perfect peace. You don't have the right to start a war with your husband. Because he's God's ordained order and you've got to go through Him to do it. Now, He's got the authority to do it and just kick it out. And you can't object. On the wise point. And if you don't understand that, I'm not going that way. Go read How to Change Your Husband. And every answer you got on that objection is in that book too. My point, though, is peace is not going to come easy. Changing it in your life doesn't just happen. We are so rooted with error. We are so rooted with the world that we suffer just converting ourselves. Just to make these changes in our heart requires great suffering. Great suffering. Not some suffering. Great suffering on our part. So I desire to give you this peace that you carry it in your hearts and give it to others until God's peace begins to rule in the world. March 29, 1984. I am calling you to perseverance in trials. She wants you to make it through these trials. She wants you to obtain peace. And she wants you to be able to go to bring it to others and show them. Hey, you think, what does she mean, carry peace? Here's some peace. Here, let me get out And you go off. No, you've got to show them how to obtain peace. You've got to do that. You've got to live through it. You've got to be trained. What did you go through? I desire to give you peace, carry it to the horse, that they give it until peace reigns in the world. So I'm calling you to perseverance in trials. You can't quit. I just had a lady two days ago. Well, I'm just going to leave my husband. You know, He's doing this, he's going off here, he's off going for three days. So you can't do that. She says, well, why not? I said, because even those circumstances, nobody can put us under what God put together. You're married in the church. And she says, he says, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. I said, well, it is. She says, what? I said, it's all your fault. That's what he's saying. It's all your fault. Then it's all your fault. She says, well, how can you say that? I said, that's what Jesus said when he carried the cross. It's all my fault, God. Every sin that just to the last man, it's all my fault. You punish me for that. You want his salvation. You'd already told me that in the conversation, wife. And God's making you his savior. Take all his faults on. I don't care what he's doing. Whatever happened to the mentality there early Christians when somebody's about to execute them? I forgive you. To an enemy. And this is your husband. And you're not willing to do that. You've got children with them. Take the fault on. Be his Savior. You may be the only thing that saves Him from going to hell. She said, well, nobody's told me that advice. See, I've been a priest. I've got friends. i got other people counseling. Nobody has said that. I said, so what do you make of it? You're right, she said. You're right. I don't wonder if I'm right. I know I'm right. Not because of me. Because it's in the message persevere in your trials. You've got to be the deliverer of peace. You've got to be the one that experiences these things. You've got to atone for other sins because, because Jesus did it for you. Everybody's called to be a Savior. First, for your spouse. First, for your children. First, for those around you. And you want to quit? Before all that, I said that. She said, well, I don't think God wants us to be married. I said, where did you get that from? She said, Well, I had two peace story, tell me that. Well, God puts it together, nobody puts it under. God don't want anybody to get divorced. What does hate mean? Think about that. Even above hate, and what we think hate means, what does it mean when God says he hates? I was talking to somebody in Miami who was translating How to Change Her Husband. And they say, well, we can't use this title. God doesn't say that. I says, God says that in Malachi. And God says in Malachi, God hates divorce. That's scary. What does that mean? It means the total absence of God. The total absence of God is hell. Divorce is hell. Hell. And many people think they're going through it in the midst of it. And to save themselves from going through it anymore they want to get out of it is even worse. Where are your children going to be? Where are they going to spend Christmas? Where is Thanksgiving? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And that's before they get a divided heart. And I know some people here are products of divorce. Some people are divorced. It's not condemning it. But we're where Jesus was when He had to stand up and say, it's time to stop. It's time people become outspoken. This is going to be looked down upon. No, you stay together. You suffer, and if you go through living martyrdom, but you save that spouse, then you gain eternity and the joy that comes with it. Or you have to save one person to gain heaven. Scripture says that. The first place you look to is there. And so many people are ready to get rid of their crosses, ready to put them down, thinking they're going to get some alleviation from it. It's just going to get worse. I'm amazed at the spiritual people, even in the Medjugorje movement, that advises people to go ahead and get a divorce. I wouldn't do that, or that's not wrong. I understand. Don't listen to the issues. What's right? What's right is what God put together, and you don't need anybody to listen, give advice to anybody, or listen to anybody that calls for separation away. And again, you say, well, there's complicated situations. Read How to Change Your Husband. It covers a lot of ground on both sides, whether it be man or woman. So when God hates something, you better stay as far away from it as possible. And you better not advise it. And you better not support it. Because you're a contributor to it. And you will stand in judgment for that. Maria back to order, says in the point man, God. 95% of couples will work out their problems if everybody left them alone. <coughs> but they start the alignment process. One spouse starts aligning this person and this person and starts wars. And that's what this woman was doing. I talked to two days ago. She's telling her her family what her husband's doing. They says, you poor thing. I can't believe he's doing that to you. He did that. He's going this. He's such and such and such and such. I says, you need to go to confession. She says, what? He's the one that's all over town. I says, you're disparaging of him. You're going to everybody and telling them all these things. That's slander. You need to go confess. It's not anybody else's business. Let God deal with him. It don't matter whether it's true or not. You're not supposed to be speaking about it. Do you see how we've lost our way? We've lost our understanding of how to make things together. I says besides his bridge coming back to you is the fact that you keep these things secret for him. But it's you who's revealing everything. Once everybody knows, what's, what is he going to even He's not going to handle no shame because it's all exposed anyway. It may be shame and pricked his conscience that gives him conscience that he'll come back. And you're burning that bridge right now. So what do we need to look at our situation? How have I contributed to it? How can I fix it? Not the next person. Not the causing. Nobody's causing you a problem. They may be a problem, but they are God's problem. And this is where Our Lady interestingly takes us. February 7, 1985, I said that the world's never experienced a trial for experiencing right now. Our Lady says, I have stayed with you this long so I might help you along in your trials. July twenty fifth, nineteen eighty nine. Open yourself to God and surrender to Him all your difficulties and crosses, so God may turn everything into joy. How's He going to turn divorce into joy? How's He going to turn my kids are on this and or my kids a disaster in jail into joy? How's He going to do that? I don't know. I'm not the fixer of that, and you aren't either. God is. You're not going to fix your problems. Our lady's very clear about that. She says, you do something and you give me the problems. And that something is prayer. You can't entangle the miseries of the world as we see it. We've, we've passed the turning point. When Our Lady came December, or rather June 24th, 1981, it was at that point that God had decided to bring us ten secrets Three admonitions, and it's gonna happen. They will happen. But is that just now decided? Because now we're seeing terrorism, war trade centers, hatred, the disasters we see everywhere. Now it's gonna happen? No. God had already made up his mind. Preceding June twenty fourth, nineteen eighty one. He's like he's just sitting around heaven thinking, Oh, well, I'm just fed up. I'm gonna do something. You know, he came to Noah with the decision. To purify the world of his his wickedness. And then he went to Noah. After that decision. And he told Noah to build an ark. And Noah worked on that ark. Hey God. 24 months later it's finished? No. 24 years later it's still not finished. Decades and decades and decades. Noah built the ark. And the wickedness continued. And it got worse. But God's decision for the rain and the floods came when he told Noah. Or preceding that. In some time frame, then. What's going to be in the world, the Katrinas and all these things are happening because this was decided long ago in a time of our span. So Our Lady's asking us to accept our trials and give the difficulties to her. And the world's going to have more difficulties, and you're going to have more difficulties. July 10th, 1986 Therefore, with love, overcome every sin, and with love, overcome every all the difficulties which are coming to you. are they very aware of the difficulties. What is the solution? All your problems, all the difficulties, all the crosses, here's the solution. February 29th, 1988. It's real simple. Dear children, give all problems and all difficulties to Jesus and pray. That's it. What do you want to hold on to Him for? And that's why I said a little while ago, you can't fix it. Only God can fix it. And for him to fix it, he needs what? For you give them to him, and then you pray. You pray. I asked Maria to ask a lady something for a whole year, and all she did to me was pray. I wanted more than that. I did a novena with Maria, and we come after this nine-day novena saying all this, and, and our lady comes down, and we ask her the question again, and she says, instead of pray, she says, You pray. You know, I wasn't getting it. Three times she told me that. And she did add something to that. She says, you pray, now is not the time. But you, struck me. You need to pray. You want your problems fixed, you want your difficulties fixed, give them to Jesus and you pray. That's the solution. January 2nd, 1989. Our Lady doesn't advise how to fix your problem but rather what we're to do with him, as she just did in the previous message. She says, abandon in this message, abandon all your problems and all your difficulties to me. And what am I supposed to do? She says after that, live my messages and pray and pray and pray. It's that simple. All these counselors you go to, they all try to give you, you, you tell them the issues and they try to fix it and they try to tell you how to fix it. It's all bad advice. You know, I've heard once, we've heard a thousand times the marriage counselors we're going to are causing us to even divorce. We tell people, don't even go to them. Go to the message. Learn what the early Christians did with the enemies, if you think your spouse is an enemy. And they converted those people. We've forgotten the way. August 7th, 1989. Abandon to your mother all your problems and difficulties. May 11th, 1990. You want to be free from your difficulties. You want some relief. You want some breathing room. If you could just experience a little joy in your heart, just a little joy, how would that make you feel? This is how Our Lady says to do it. May eleventh, 1990, I want to ask you, she's asking, ask you to give me your problems and difficulties so that you are able to pray with more freedom. Your problems and difficulties enslave you. When you give them up, when you take them out of your heart, I'm not going to deal with that no more because I can't. You're free. Why are you holding on to it? I was just counseling somebody a couple weeks ago. And they had been trying to do this. And they had been having somebody call their house to, the, to, the, to uh, create a scenario. And do this and do that. And they were doing that. I said, you're doing everything. Why, you, let God do it. What are, you, what are you trying to do? And they were in bondage. And it took a long conversation to make them realize, just give it to God. Free yourself from it. And that rise. I can't do anything. It's up to God. And you know what? Peace. And they're free. Difficulties so that you are able to pray with more freedom and more joy. So freedom and joy comes when you give your problems and difficulties to Our Lady. So that that prayer, so your prayers become a prayer from the heart. Release. Does that mean unshackle? That means unlock? Does that means get away from? Him? Let go? Release. Yourselves from your difficulties. It's within your grasp to do that. It's your decision. It's your power to unshackle what you're enslaved to. Release yourself from your difficulties through prayer, and I will pray for you. Is that not awesome? Awesome. Just a little bit of all these words, and the whole world would be healed from all the sufferings it's suffering from. It doesn't mean they're going to go away. It doesn't mean the problem won't exist, but you're free from it and let God resolve it. June 29, 1992. Give me all your problems and difficulties. 1983. When you suffer difficulties and need something, come to me. Beautiful. Our lady is that close to us. We went, one time we had a need in the community and we all went to the chapel and I quoted the message. Actually, I didn't quote the message. We picked the message at random. After praying these three rosaries, our lady says, when, you need, when you're in need of something, call me and I'll come immediately. And we were there because we were in need of something immediately. And what do you think we felt like that? We're in a difficulty. We're in a deep need. And she says, that if you understood the gift of my coming, you would have prayed unceasingly. You have... Ear of the Virgin Mary right now. I went and got on the airplane. I flew all the way to Mentor because we had a big problem with the mission. I went there to get to to ask Maria to ask our lady something, and I spent all that money and all that time going over there. And I get in there, Maria's sick, she's she's going right into the rosary for the apparition. It's only me, her, and one other person, so it was a blessing. I was there. And I went there to tell our lady what I needed halfway around the world. And Maria comes out of the apparition and she says, I did something strange. I said, what? She says, during the apparition, she leaned over like this. I thought, wow. And I was beside myself. I said, what do you think that means? She said, it's showing us. She's listening to us. But I didn't have to do that. You can go in your bedroom. You can go in the field. You can go to our bedroom. And she's got her ear turned towards you. She says in her message, she says, do you believe it or do you not believe it? Maybe at that point, it was weak in my belief. Maybe my faith was weak. Because I had to get on a plane to do that. I have it right here. Or maybe I was supposed to go there so I could tell you that story. It strengthens my faith. I know Our got, I got Our Ladies there. And I know I can go on my knees and really have a conversation. And I can't go downtown Birmingham and talk to this mayor. Unless I have an appointment. He probably won't give me that. He's too high and mighty. I'm nobody. But you're somebody because you're the child of Our lady. And that makes you somebody. So we've got our lady's ear. We've got problems. She tells us how to deal with it. So we see in this, and usually we cover a lot of different grounds, That I felt that, that there's so much suffering, so many calls coming to us, so many people are in hurt and mold right now, that we need to cover this ground about difficulties and trials. And when you walk with our lady, It increases. There's another song I want you to listen to we'll end with that actually speaks about these things. And, and you can follow it with this because the words may be a little bit hard to hear. But don't start reading it until um, till the song starts. You know, it used to be... We, I've read some things where the saints says that Satan actually was a light bearer and that he, his, uh, his thing in heaven was he was in charge of the music. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. You know, I've read spiritual writings to say that, but uh, we see it, he's very active in music today, because music has a profound effect and very powerful. And it speaks to the heart sometimes in ways that you can't do in any other way, and we see music motivates people, it motivates many people to sin, but also it can motivate us to good. And so we have the heavenly choir of angels, and uh, sometimes the message is going to be put stronger and clearer through a song. And uh, this is one of those songs.
3: When I get where I'm going On the far side of the sky The first thing that I'm gonna do Is spread my wings and fly I'm gonna land beside light Run my fingers through his mane where I might find out what it's like To ride a drop of rain Yeah, when I get where I'm going There'll be only happy tears I will shed the sins and struggles I have carried all these years I'll leave my heart wide open I will love and have no fear Yeah, when I get where I'm going Don't cry for me down here I'm gonna walk with my granddaddy And he'll match me step for step I'll tell him how I've missed him every minute since he left And then I'll hug his neck Yeah, when I get where I'm going There'll be only happy tears I will shed the sins and struggles I have carried all these years
1: Mission. one of the most difficult things is to love. And it's strange in this song, it says, I will love and have no fear. Because sometimes it would be easy not to love. Because to love means to expose yourself to injury, to those who will hurt you. To know how they treat you is not the way you're going to have to treat them if you love them. So you receive injuries because of that. And to love is probably one of the most difficult things, but it's the first thing that Our Lady calls us to. We've had to go through fires, we've had to put up with things publicly, privately, behind the scenes, in front, things you know, things you don't know over and over and over and we couldn't react the way they were acting to us or we can't act in a way that persecutions, even when we had the power we had to be measured in our response because of the law of love and it's a very very difficult thing to do especially you know when you could straighten out a crooked road or you can rectify things. But to be silent and to love. Or you've been sitting, spit in the face is a very, very difficult thing to do. So, often we see even things brewing for us. That we know we can stop. But now we have to let that wave go on through. Let the good-willed people see through it. And the bad-willed people ride that wave. Because they won't. They don't want to hurt you. They want it to hurt Christ. Christ promised you follow him, he goes through the same thing, and to follow a lady means that. So, to love in the chapel is not written without a deep understanding of why those words are put there. So, we've been there, and if you hadn't been there, you're going there if you follow a lady. Not for punishment, but for the glory of God and for what this song encapsulates the joys you'll experience and the rewards you'll experience in heaven. And take it with you into the bedroom, this message, thinking of everything you go through here in this life. Our Lady wants to put your thoughts on eternity. So while you're in the bedroom, contemplate that Our Lady was there just fresh, that's very fresh, just the day after Thanksgiving here. What is that? 13 days ago? 12 days ago? Something like that. And to be able to contemplate these words that she gave there, Maria's, I actually spoke to our lady more times than I, I saw her like file exchanges going back and forth with our lady, so that apparition was a long time. but being in the bedroom, reading these words, being their prayer, pierce into this where you are, and don 't leave that bedroom without leaving every problem you got there for her. She wants it it 's a place you can give her a year since we don 't have uh, Normally, we just had such a big thing in August, and our crowd we knew wouldn't be that big. You can spend a lot more time in prayer there. So, if you want to say a whole rosary in there, you're going to be free to do that. Normally, you got two minutes, two and a half, three minutes in the bedroom. But uh, we'll be able to spend more time today because of, you know, you'll be allowed that. So, Alee said, You have a time of grace. Use that time well. So, as you prepare to go in the bedroom, Contemplate. I know I sleep there every night. My wife sleeps there every night. You might think we get used to it, but I, it's in the middle of the night I'm always praying in the bed. I'm always thinking about Our Lady. You know, once I was with Maria going down taking her to the airport from here and we were saying the rosary again and I was looking at the billboards you know, I was doing this and all this. And, and I looked at her and, and she was kind of doing the same thing. And so I said, aha. I said, Maria, what do you do if your thoughts wander while you're saying the rosary? She said, well, they don't. I said, I just saw you looking at a billboard. She says, no, I may be looking over there, but I see Our Lady, so I'm picturing Our Lady all the time. You know, and for us, it's that way. We, I'm still not used to that. even though since 1988 Our Lady's appeared there. Uh, that hasn't worn off for me that Our Lady appears over our bed. There's a reason she did that. There's a statement. There's a story she's telling. And you never understand the things in the midst of the story. It has to end, and then ages has to pass. And then people look back in wonderment about, whoa, whoa. So just you being in the time of grace, just going there, what will people see this 100 years from now? Totally mystical. But the apostles didn't see it. They saw tremendous miracles, but they got used to that even. And so we're in a period of 25 years with the Lady that we're used to too much. And we will not see the deaths here now, what people 100 years will see. So Our Lady said, use this time well. And then we'll be glad for it later.